So with that being said, 1 Timothy chapter 1. Anybody else chilly? Because if I'm chilly... Okay. I'm thinking if I'm chilly, there's a problem. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 1. Now what happens is when you get a lot of people in, in, in this space, it does temperature does go up a little bit. But First uh, Timothy chapter 1. Let's start here at verse 11. Um, and then, then we'll pick back up where we've left off before. No, it's 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which committed to my trust, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he hath counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. As we take a look at this information, may we allow your word to be the final authority in all things. That uh, as we continue this work, that uh, we allow your grace, mercy, and peace be the main issue that we fall back on. That it's for your glory. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> now. There's a few things that we've gone through and we've talked about this last week. We talked about that issue of Paul saying that uh, verse 12, and I thank Christ Jesus, the Lord, who hath enabled me. The only reason that Paul was able to do the things that he was able to do is because Christ enabled him to do so. And we're the exact same way. The only way that we can produce any work is because he's the one that has to enable us to be able to do that. And we've talked about that and gone through that over and over and over again. But that's one of those things that we, we dealt with last week. But we also dealt with, remember, who he was. Right? We talked about those things. And if you notice in verse 13, he says, Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Now, let's take a look at a few things real quick. Um, we're not going to go spend a lot of time on the... Uh, Acts chapter 8, chapter 9, things like that. Um, go real quick to um, go real quick to first, first Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll just start here. <clears throat> Acts chapter 15, and remind ourselves of some of these things as we're, as we're going through. <clears throat> first Corinthians chapter 15, and this goes along with what, what we dealt with last week about being enabled. Verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 8. And of course, the whole issue here in chapter 15 is really dealing with resurrection because if Christ didn't resurrect, then guess what? You're still in your sins. The only way that you get justification is because Christ rose. And what folks are going around doing is saying the only way, or Jesus Christ didn't raise from the dead, and Paul is saying he did, and here's some proof that he did. Because if he did not, then we're still yet in our sins and there is nothing that we can do and our faith is vain. It's empty. It's worthless. And does nothing for us. And that's the issue that he's dealing with here is saying he did raise from the dead. In fact, he says in verse 8, and he says, and last of all, he was seen of me also. And he goes through talking about all the folks that saw Christ after the resurrection. Verse 8, he says, and last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. 
For I am the least of the apostles, then I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Again, it's that issue of who, who Paul was. He was injurious and a blasphemer and all that stuff. He was a persecutor. Verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which is with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believe. And you go on down through there. So the issue there, Paul is saying what? The only reason that I'm able to do what I'm doing is because his grace and because Christ. Right? That's the issue of being enabled by him. When we, when we go back and we think about these things... <clears throat> He's dealing with this issue of mercy, right? He says, I obtained mercy. Well, we talked about that before. What's it mean to obtain mercy? Is you don't get what you deserve. Well, you stop and you think about what did Paul deserve at that time? He would deserve wrath. What is it that was supposed to be the very next thing in the, in the timeline, according to Daniel and according to Leviticus 26? What was the next thing that was supposed to come? You were supposed to have tribulation. Right after that, you've got the wrath of God is going to be poured out. But instead, and this is an interesting thing because we've talked about this before. In Leviticus chapter 5, you get, or Leviticus 26, you get the five courses of judgment. We talked about this. The first course, here's some stuff, and it's bad. Second course, here's more stuff. By the way, it's not that the first course ends and the second course begins. It's here's the first course, here's the second course on top of it. So whatever was bad, now it's even worse because there's more bad on top of it. When a third course comes, it's stacked on top of the first two. That's what he's dealing with with the nation of Israel. And then you got the fourth, fourth, and then the fifth. And they're all taking place right then. What was supposed to take place after the resurrection of Christ when he ascends up in Acts chapter 1 and he sends out the apostles to go to Jerusalem and do what they did what they were supposed to do is prepare the nation of Israel for what's getting ready to come. And they knew it. But unbelieving Israel didn't know it. So Paul's one of those people that don't know it. He's, part of, he, he's a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Tribe of Benjamin. Pharisee. About the law, zealous. If you want a guy that's top guy in Pharisees, I'm the guy. Look at who taught me. I'm the guy. That was his thought process before. What's interesting here is he says what? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace was, was bestowed upon me. It was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I. It wasn't me doing it. He enabled me to do that. So instead, what happens is Paul receives mercy because the next thing that was supposed to be taking place would have been the 70th week of Daniel, and then wrath was going to be poured down. So you stop and you think, not only did the dispensation of the grace of God pause prophecy, which for us is great, but the mystery is also paused the fifth course of judgment, and all the prior courses of judgment. You ever thought about that? That's amazing to think about. That's what grace, that's what God's grace has done today is paused all that. To me, that's wonderful. 
And the only thing that it would allow Saul to be saved was there something different. Because what do we know about a blasphemer? You're not saved under that old, t- old, old way. You can't be. Can't be. So the interesting thing is not only has the grace of God given Saul an opportunity to get saved, put pause that stuff, but it's also given all unbelieving Israel a chance that they didn't have had the 70th week began. That is amazing to stop and think about. When Christ is on the cross, what's he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's claiming ignorance for them. Why did Paul receive mercy? Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. You stop and you think about those things. That's what we have going on here. Paul decides it's not me that's doing it. Go to Luke chapter 12 real quick. We'll just go through some verses real quick. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. I would commend I would commend this to you to read through this, but let's just start here. Um, start at verse 35, Luke chapter 12, verse 35, to kind of get an idea of what, what's, what's taking place here. Luke 12, verse 35. <clears throat> Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning, and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord... When he cometh shall find watching, verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have, and not have suffered his house to be broken through. But ye therefore, be ye therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when he think, when ye think not. Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou unto this parable unto us, or even to all? Now notice, he, what he does is he lays out three issues here, starting off in verse 42. And the Lord said, when then, who then is that faithful and wise steward, from his Lord, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them the portion of meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his, whom his Lord, when he cometh, find, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you that he will make him ruler of all over all that he hath. This is a steward that's what? Prepared. They're following by faith and they're doing the things that they're supposed to do by faith. What is it that they're supposed to do by faith is what? Watch. That's what he wanted to find them doing. Verse 45. But, and if that servant say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to beat the manservants and maidens and to eat and to drink and to be drunken, 
The Lord of that servant will come in a day when he looketh not for him, and an hour when he is not aware, and will cut him in sunder, and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Now, who's this person? Here you've got somebody saying, well, he's not coming yet. He's delaying his coming, so I'm going to go back to work. Verse 47. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself. Now, stop and think about this. This is a person which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself. This is a person just purposely saying, I know what it says, but I'm not going to do it. So you remember last week when we talked about the... Um, the weak and the feeble-minded and the unruly and got through all that stuff. You have the same folks back here. <laughs> you got people that know. It's like, well, I'm going to wait because he's not coming yet, so I'm not really going to believe what he's saying, so I'm going to go about doing my business. Then you got somebody that's prepared doing what they're supposed to be doing, but then you've got this person that's unprepared saying, I, don't, I, I know what it is, but I'm not going to do it anyway. And so you see those connections there, but notice... And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whom whosoever much is given of him shall be much required. And to, him, and to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. Now you stop and you think about this. <clears throat> In those three people right there, what do they know is going to come? They know there's going to be wrath, and they know that Christ is going to come back. And what's he asking them to do? You just stop and think. What's he asking them to do? Wait. Just wait. Based on what? Scripture. One does exactly what they're supposed to do. I know what he wants. I'm going to do that. And they do what? I'm going to wait. Then you got somebody saying, I don't know if I can wait. He's not coming yet. So I'm going to go about doing my business and one day he's going to come. I'll still be ready. Well, what happens to that person is they're not ready. Then you got this other person that says, what? I know what it is. I'm not going to do anything about it. Now, when you stop and think about this, <clears throat> some of those he considers as ignorant. Paul would have been one of those groups going about doing things ignorantly or unbelief. Um, go to chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. Now again, what we're reading back here in Luke, that's not us, but I want you to think there are some parallels that we can see. You know what God wants us to do today? Rest in his son. Rest in who he's made you. And we're so tired because we're doing things ourselves and not resting in who he's made us. Oftentimes we do. I find myself doing it. I know that. You know how much, you know how much easier life is if we just rest in who he's made us and quit trying to make us who he's made us? Just realize you are who he's made you. You're in his son. Everything that his son has, you have. Be okay with that. Know that I have everything. I am complete. I am lacking 
absolutely nothing. It's a great place to be. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Of course, this is Christ. Being crucified. Notice this, and this is this is where we, we, we come in with this. Notice in verse 34. Then said Jesus, this is one of the sayings, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. By the way, fulfilling prophecy about him. What's he say here? He's saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, go to John chapter 9. When you, when you think about these things, what, what God has done for the nation of Israel, and, you know, we've, we've, talked about, we've talked about this before. You have the crucifixion, burial, resurrection of Christ. You have the Holy Spirit coming down in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 1, Christ goes up, says, I'm going to send the comforter. He goes up, he's received into the Father. And what happens is, from that time to Acts 7, we've talked about there's a one-year period of time that was extended after to get us up from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 7. I think we all know that parable. And what Christ is doing there in Luke chapter 23 is saying, Father, forgive them, given that one extra year period of time. The interesting thing about that is, is from that time till here, he's still dealing with who? The nation of Israel. Giving them an opportunity. They've crucified the son. They've had John the Baptist murdered. They crucified the son. Here in Acts chapter 7, what do they do with the Holy Spirit is, we don't want you either. All right, we, we've gone through and talked about that. But what should have happened right there should have been what? Period of time, 70th week of Daniel, Christ comes back. Go read Psalm 2. Go read Psalm, you know, go read these Psalms. He's going to strike them in his wrath and his sore displeasure. But instead, they fall, Acts 9, Saul of Tarsus has shown mercy. You know, we've talked about grace and peace is, is God's great proclamation for the dispensation of grace. Instead of wrath and war, you have grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it all starts there because Paul, ignorantly doing what he's doing, he does what? He obtains mercy. Go over here real quick, John chapter 9, verse 39. <clears throat> John chapter 9, we'll just start here, verse, verse 39. And Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, for they which see not my might see, 
and they which see might be blind. And some of the Pharisees which, which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus saith unto, said unto them, If ye were blind, you would have no sin. But now ye say we see, therefore your sin remaineth. Now, who's he talking to there? That would have been Paul's group. Are they blind? Yeah. That's part of that ignorance that, they're, that he was living under. Um, Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. <clears throat> this is Peter's second sermon. Starting off, we'll just start here at verse 12. <clears throat> Acts chapter 3, verse 12. And when Peter saw it, talking about the, the, the lame man that's leaping and all that stuff, he says, And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly upon on us? as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk. And then he gives them a history lesson. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And that gets us back to that 1 Corinthians 15, right? But notice, and his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot that through ignorance ye did it as did also your rulers. Do you know what Peter's telling them? In Acts chapter 3 right there, he's saying, God's given you an out <laughs> because you did it ignorantly in unbelief. You were blind and you did this, and he's saying, you still have a chance. But their chance ends at a particular time. Now, the amazing thing, obviously, is at the end of the dispensation of the grace of God, what happens is, we pick right back up with that. All that paused because of ignorance. You know, you think over in Acts, Paul's talking to the folks there, and he says, this ignorance God winked at. Man always thinks they've got it figured out. They say, let's build a tower, reach under the heavens. God's saying, I want you to be on earth. Nowadays, God says, I'm doing something to, to fill the, the heavenly places. And man's like, we're going to bring the heaven down here and we're going to have heaven here on earth. Man's always got it backwards. We live in a time of ignorance. Willful or non, still ignorance. But the thing is, is, we've got information that we can take to the folks to relieve them of their ignorance. Now, I've go to Hebrews chapter 10. 
I've got I've got kids that ask me all the time. They'll say something, and I was like, "Well, that's that's kind of ignorant." They're like, "Well, you're calling me stupid." I was like, "No, there's a difference. Ignorance means you don't know. If you do something that's stupid, you knew, but you still did the thing you weren't supposed to do." Notice here in Hebrews chapter ten, verse twenty-six, <clears throat> and of course, again, where are we? We're in Hebrews. When's Hebrews going to be taking place? Out here in the ages to come, right? After the, death, after the rapture of the church. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. Now, you take that verse, and what does most people do with that verse? You lose salvation. What, and you think about, what are they, what are they going to institute over here? They're, they're going to put the law back in, but they're also going to put in what? Sacrifices. They're going to bring all that stuff back. You don't need that one. We got you. Don't worry about it. But you think about those things. Is there a difference between doing things ignorantly? And here, the point I'm bringing out here is that they're doing it willfully. They know better, and they choose to do the opposite of what they're supposed to be doing. Now, that's the real point that I want to bring out there. But you keep on going. Notice, <clears throat> he that despiseth Moses' law... Well, let's forget verse 27. But a certain fearful looking for a judgment and fire indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall, shall he be thought worthy who has trodden under the foot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified and holy and an unholy thing and hath done despite under the spirit of grace. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. Now, the whole idea is what? There's something coming out here. And there's only one thing, even for those, those folks, that takes care of it. It's that right there. Right? Even for those folks out there. The, only, the, greatest, the greatest event in history is that cross. That cross allows God to go back and say, I want to go back before that and save everybody because of what Christ did by his faith. And he says, by that, I want to do what I'm doing during the dispensation of grace. And by that, I want to do something out here too. But what's going to happen is one day there will be vengeance out here. But there's a way to escape. Now, as again, the main point I'm wanting to look at there is what? There's a difference between doing things ignorantly and doing things willfully, right? Um, go back to First Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. Last week we dealt with Paul being enabled by Christ, verse 13. He tells us a little bit about himself, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious. But what that what's what's that word but do? Here's something. Here's something completely different. Notice. Instead of getting what I deserve. 
what's Paul say? But I obtained a mercy. Why? Because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. That's that, we won't go into it, Romans chapter 10, 9 and 10, you get that stuff. Verse 14, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Now, there's a lot of stuff there, but you've got mercy there in verse 13. Verse 14, you've got grace. So we've said before, mercy is what? Holding back what you deserve. Grace is, here's all the stuff you don't deserve. And what's interesting is, all that stuff took place at the exact same time on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter 9. So much so, verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy. That was what we just read in verse 13. That, here's the purpose. What's the purpose behind Paul obtaining mercy? That in me first... What's that mean? In me first. If it's first, then it's what? First. It's never happened before. But notice what he says, that in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering. Now, once we get into that, that that's an interesting thing too. For what? For a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. He's saying... God did something here at Acts chapter 9 and he's going to do something there that for folks that come after are going to be saved the exact same way. He obtained mercy and was given grace the moment in Acts chapter 9 and his first response was what? What wilt thou have me to do? That was his response. So when we think about going through here, and again, Paul is, you got to think too, Timothy, who Timothy was, Paul, Paul's having to come alongside him. You can consider him maybe a weak or a feeble-minded. <laughs> Paul's coming alongside him, saying, I need to tell you some things to get stuff ready because of what we're getting ready to do. But there's something here that we want to make sure that we spend some time with. And I've gone over time, but that's okay. Um, but the thing is, what I want us to be able to see here is, what do we have? We've got Paul was enabled last week. This week we find out he's got mercy and peace and grace. Those three things together, those issues, his first response is, what what thou have me to do? And what we see is we see the result here today of him doing exactly what he did. And you got to think, he was right there when it all started. And we've gone through this cycle years and years and years and years since then. And the fact that we still have this book in front of us and the fact that we still have this message tells us 
It's not us. It's the book. The book will take care of itself. The message will take care of itself. We know we're small, but the power is not of us. It comes from the scriptures. Yet not I, but Christ. So we'll stop there for today and we'll pick up. There's some things in verse 14 and 15 I want to make sure that we get. Um, we'll take a look at that next week. Questions, comments, concerns? The time it is. That's what happens. Yeah. I've learned I've learned throughout the years it goes by pretty quick if it's if you're doing the right thing, it really does. Oh yeah. It is, and and you stop and you think because mostly what that song re- goes about is my grace, the grace that I received, right? Um, but there's so much, there's so much more in that. We were watching Bob. Bob gave us a video. Delilah and I were watching it last night, and it was a guy talking about um, if you take a look at where you are in the grand scheme of things, there are so many bigger things out there that we don't even think about sometimes because we get caught up in all the little bitty details of life. And, and you know, you think about God's everlasting to everlasting. Before the foundation of the world, God was going to do something. He chose in his own mind to do something and he's going to bring it to fruition. And that issue, like I said, when we talk about long suffering, he's not just suffered long for 2,000 years. It's been, it's, it began in the garden. In fact, it began before the garden. It began with the fall of Satan. It goes all the way through. And he's been long suffering for more than just 2,000 years. He's been long suffering what's been going on in the dispensation of grace for that long. But he's been long-suffering far longer than we can even imagine. For more things that we can even think of, and as I've said, we get upset if somebody doesn't like or share something on Facebook. We don't know what long-suffering is. We don't know what patience is. We don't really experience what he's experienced. We've never, we, we don't have the opportunity to do what he did to step in something that we create, to go take on the, the form of something we've created and have it reject us fully and wholly over and over again. And yet he's done that and still shows love and grace and mercy and peace. That's long-suffering. Now let's preview 
of a few weeks from now, but you know, you stop and think about that. We're a small speck in time, but we also have something to do with something that's way greater than we can ever imagine. And we get to be a part of it. It's the great thing to be about and to think about and let that get us through. When Paul talks about the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory. You know, the difference is he's seen the glory. <laughs> so if he knows that, then we should be able to think that way too. It's hard. I know. I get that. There are times I sit and I'm thinking for years, I was like, why, why do, why do we still, but it's because I'm thinking about me rather than the message. Just let the message take care of itself. So it, it's, it's amazing when you stop and think about those things. It's just It's so much greater than we can even imagine. Um, but no, it's good stuff. Anything else? And, and that, that thought process was put in place in the garden with Adam and Eve. You see, you see fear, shame, and rejection show up with Eve and Adam. And we deal with the exact same stuff today. Satan's not doing anything new. All he's having to do is sit back and watch his plan work, and we just fall in line just because we don't get over ourselves and we don't get in the book and find out, all that we do have, we don't look at the buts. But I have because of Christ. It's, it's, it's easy to do, to not get caught up in life. It is, I know. Um, but that, that's that thing because a lot of people, when I mean, you think an entire nation said, we don't want God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And God says, I'm going to show you mercy too. <laughs> it just, it's amazing. Yeah, well, you can interpret the exact exact way it says it, but you know that that's not written to you or about you. You and so then it's easy to get caught up in, well, I've performed some unpardonable unpardonable sin that I can't get forgiven because there's a verse about it. You go to Hebrews ten and you're like, well, there's a verse about it, and you're like, but I understand if I'm complete in Him. If I'm perfect in him, you can't, and I've had people, I've, there was a lady at the church we used to go to. She'd come up every Sunday and she'd say, pray that I'd have peace. And I'm like, read Romans five, believe it. You've got it, but it's hard to do. I know this don't want you to know that 
And it doesn't want you to remind yourself of that. But, you know, we talk about Romans 12 when he talks about renewing the mind. That's what it is. We've got to put off that and put on who we are in Christ. But in order to know that, you've got to be able to study. Yes. assembly I've been a part of where you spend most of your time doing what God wants us to do and that's learning what's in this book verse by verse yeah. not just standing up front I want to be polite about this not just someone standing up front and talking for 45 minutes without something to hear themselves talk and that's a big deal but what we do here what you all do here is a big deal because you can't find it in most books Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. No, I agree. And and um, I don't like hearing myself talk, so don't worry about that every minute thing. But you know, it's one of those things. No, I know, I know. But you know, and and I'll I'll, I'll end with this, unless there's other questions or comments, because I love being able to do this. And I know not everybody thinks this way, but when Second Timothy two fifteen says what it says. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You don't have to become approved of God. You are 100% completely, totally accepted in the beloved, and you are approved of God already because you're in the Son. And when we read that verse... He's saying, study to show thyself approved unto God. Show that you are approved unto God. How? Rightly dividing the word of truth. The only way that you find out that you're complete and you're approved is when you study it rightly divided because you're going to go read Matthew and find out, well, I've committed the unpardonable sin, so I've lost salvation. You might go read chapter 10 of Hebrews like, well, I've lost salvation because I've done this. But if we actually find out that we are completely and totally approved already. Now, some people read that and say, you have to write the divide to become approved. Well, you've just told somebody and put them under a law and you don't even know it. But when you read that, it says, show thyself approved unto God. Show yourself that you're approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. There's no reason for you to be ashamed. God's taken shame and fear, rejection, all that stuff that showed up in the garden, it's gone because you're in the sun. You're accepted. There is no fear. You have grace. You have peace. You have mercy. You have everything right up front. And he says, rest in him. That's all I'm asking you to do. And to find out that that's who you are, the only way you're going to find it is to rightly divide the word of truth. You're already there. But between this and this, because the heart heart knows some stuff, head knows some stuff, but until we move what we know up here to what we believe here, we're going to struggle with that stuff always. 
like I said, these are some of the things that I've been working through and thinking about over the last few months is that issue of, you know, when God looks at you, if you're saved, if you've trusted in what Christ did, he shed his blood for you. He was buried for you. And he rose again so that you can have justification unto, unto eternal life. If you've trusted in that, that alone, there is absolutely nothing you're missing except knowing about it. And the only way you know about it is you go study the Bible rightly divided. Otherwise, you're constantly going to be thinking you're Israel and you've got to do something to get it or do something to keep it or do something to prove you've got it. And God says, Romans 5, just rest. It's a wonderful thing. It's tough, I know. But it's still true every single day. And that is amazing grace. And it's more than just what he's done for me, but it's what he's done for all of us. And there's so many people out there in the world that think they are Israel and think they are stumbling and think that they are falling every single day. And they're constantly living under a system that is terrorizing their emotions and holding their emotions. That's the key. But when we find out emotions aren't supposed to be sitting on the throne, but they're supposed to be responders to the book, your thought process starts to change. We've all got work to do. But the good thing is, is We've got each other to help each other out. And that too, yeah. Yeah, and we've got work to do to share it too. Um, I love these conversations. It tells me where your heart is, and I like where it is. Praise the Lord. I just, I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful for you all, folks online as well, so. Any other comments, questions, remarks?